AM 790 Talk and Business presents Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island with your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. Join Bronwyn to hear about the next Water Fire event in downtown Providence, plus other great cultural events happening in the community. Now, here's your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. And good afternoon and welcome to Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island, the newest one-hour talk show and entertainment program on AM790, your station for talking business. I am here every Wednesday with my wonderful co-host, the uh, creator of Water Fire, Barnaby Evans. Hello, Barnaby. Good afternoon, Brahman. It's another another amazingly beautiful day. I, just, Indian nice. summer. Where I, I've been praying for this, and I'm hoping that it kind of like extends. Well, we have water fire going right till November 8th, so we, we want, or late after that too, but we want Indian summer to last till, what, December 19th, you said? I think yeah, I think okay. December 19th yeah. would be good. Yeah. Good. Good weather for water fire. And actually, we have a couple of basin lightings. We don't have another large full lighting until September 27th, but um, we've got a basin lighting Thursday, tomorrow. Wow. Well, yeah, let's take a moment to talk about that because many people think of water fire as this big event and those sort of aficionados who enjoy water fire discover that the basin fires or the partial lightings are magical in, the, in a different way but equally worth attending. So Thursday night... Yeah, September fourth. Right? Yeah, so September fourth, Thursday. I know at around seven fifty, we're going to be doing a huge ring of fire. This is all for the um, Federal Bar Association, uh, which I know is going to be at Ruth's Chris. But they're doing a we're doing a massive ring of fire, and we'll have fire spinners. And you're right, those basin um, lightings. There's something very kind of uh, much more serene. I would well not. Water fire is always serene, but sometimes, you know, we've got all these different activities happening along the river. But the basin lightings, I think I really appreciate the most sometimes because you can just sit and reflect. And they're less attended than the other ones, but... Well, they're less attended in part because we're cautious not to promote them lest people think they're coming to the huge event. So we're always a little cautious about it. But just this month, we have three lightings in September, yeah. September 4th, September 19th, 19th, which is the Land Trust Alliance, which again. is a Friday, and that again is a basin lighting, and actually, you know, I've got to, I have to correct myself, tomorrow's lighting is actually a partial lighting, so it's the basin area, which is in Water Place Park, and it's all the way up to um, Steeple Street, so where Cafe Nuovo is. So it's from Providence Place Mall all the way down to Steeple Street, Cafe yeah. Nuovo, and I, I, I urge people to come see them, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, people sometimes say, well, we love water fire when it wasn't so so crazy to park and things like this. And this is a magical night. Yeah, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So we've got that, the 19th, again, basin lighting, and then on a huge, huge fire on the 27th. But, you know, but we have one on the 23rd. On the 23rd as well. Actually, well, we're going to wait to the second half of the segment to talk about that because that is a – that's – very special because that's our fundraiser, and that's where we make money for water fire to help pay for the season, right. essentially. Because um, we prevent the, all this event free of charge to everyone to come and enjoy in the heart of the city, and we do it with the help of our sponsors and our partners, of which we've got two here today, yeah. and also the donors who make it all possible. Exactly. So our whole we got a great show today because we're going to be taking a little bit of a look back at what we did on August 23rd with our Clear Currents initi- uh, initiative. And we've got Dave Dabrinsky here, who is a water fire volunteer and actually coordinated our whole Clear Currents um, initiative, which is for people who have not seen it and don't know what that is. We have these incredibly large, beautiful, glowing Japanese 
koi fish that are mounted in kayaks and canoes, probably about 88 of them to 100. And um, families and people from the community come out, and they these fish are mounted in these kayaks and canoes, and they float down the river on water fire, and it's a, it's a wonderful uh, event. So, Dave, hello. Hello, Broadwin and Barnaby. Nice to be here. And let's start with a big thank you to you. This is, I think, the third year you've worked on this. That's actually the fourth. The fourth. The, fir- okay. the first year I did it four years ago, I got involved two days before it actually right. took, okay. came off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I actually have been coordinating it for three years, That's but I've been involved for I knew four you years. canoed the first year, uh, right. the four years ago. And it's a lot of work to coordinate, so I thank you for that. You're and welcome. on many things on Waterfire, there's a lot behind the scenes, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But the core thing is the sheer beauty and exhilaration, both onshore and on the water of seeing all that motion and light. So tell us, what's, what, what, why do you come back? Uh, what do you love uh, about it? Well, a couple of reasons. One is what you just mentioned. I think it's my favorite event of all the waterfire events every year um, because it is, it is beautiful. Um, I am involved with a lot of different volunteer opportunities with waterfire, but I've been doing this one as a coordinator for three years. And what makes it special for me is because I can actually get on the water and literally on the water. I, I drive a wood boat. I've done the, the, the fire feeding as well. Um, but this is one that is, I think, of all the opportunities to be a volunteer is probably the most special and the most unique. Um, That's what all our volunteers say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what really the other reason it attracted to me is that in addition to volunteering my time with Water Fire, I've spent a lot of years volunteering with some environmental groups, uh, and no, most notably the Charles River Watershed Association in Massachusetts. Um, I've been doing that for seven or eight years. And, you know, fresh water, clean water, particularly in urban settings, is something that uh, a lot of people either aren't aware of or they take for granted. Um, it's a very challenging issue for society at large. And when I saw that water fire was on the rivers, I said two of my, and, and I have an artistic side to me as well, and I saw it as a perfect outlet in my quote-unquote free time uh, to get involved. And as Barnaby mentioned, uh, it's a lot of work. Um, I remember the very first time I volunteered for water fire, I signed up for an 8 a.m. to noon shift. And it happened to be the uh, the water fire event where we had Bananagrams as a sponsor. We dropped 250 <laughs> monkeys over the uh, ballroom. And I ended up working 8 a.m. until 1.30 the following morning because there was so much to do. But and it was fun, wasn't it? It was an absolute <laughs> blast. Special, I learned what special ops was that that day, and uh, I decided this is pretty neat. What, what it does for the community and the atmosphere that it creates um, really appealed to, to my sense of, I'm one of those people who likes to know what goes on behind the scenes. And to be able to be involved with it, this was a great opportunity. And by extension, getting involved with Clear Currents uh, four years ago as a last-minute step in because someone had gotten sick or something. Um, The following year is when I I did focus in on, from the beginning, getting involved to getting it started scratch. And to be fair, there are an awful lot of people that have helped me out doing this as well. I'm, I'm, I'm one person, and I've had tremendous help with a lot of volunteers and the Water Fire staff has been super supportive of uh, the efforts it takes to pull this thing off. Dave, what do you do for a living? I'm a photographer and a videographer. Okay. I, for many years, I worked in the athletic footwear and apparel industry. I did the corporate America thing for 20-something years. Um, and I decided that there was a, a creative side to my person that wasn't really being fulfilled, and I've always loved photography. 
And I decided uh, a couple years ago to say, okay, um, my children are grown. They're off on their own. Um, we're in empty nesters. And it's time for me to maybe go on to that next phase in my life. And getting involved in the arts community is something I've always wanted to do. And, again, Water Fire is a bit of a segue. So this year I've actually, as a volunteer, have been a photographer for uh, some of the Water Fire events as well, which I find technically challenging and artistically challenging as well. Well, let's talk for a moment about what it's like to suddenly paddle out in the darkness amidst a sea of fire of close to 100 fish swimming around in schools, because from shore, it's glorious. It's and I think it's probably glorious plus sheer chaos from the water side. It's not sheer chaos. It's organized chaos. Okay, um, but as we, as we get prepared, as we paddle up river prior to the event actually happening, we stage ourselves underneath Francis Street Bridge up underneath the, the uh, Providence Place Mall. And through radios and phones with uh, the Director of Operations, PK, at Waterfire, we're in constant communication. And when he gives me the word, light him up. Um, I give the signal to the all the paddlers, the 80 or more boats that we have under the water, and you're right. It's like Christmas time. Just you light on the, that Christmas tree, and it's from darkness to just mm. brilliant colors. In addition to the 80 braziers that we have going on the river, so it, it's it's kind of a goosebump moment before we start paddling, and it's always great to hear the oohs and the ahs and the crowd on either right. side of the river, even before we get into the, the performance area. You know, we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about some of the stories and some of the people that you met while coordinating Clear Currents. Okay. Um, thank you, everybody. We'll be right back. You're listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island on AM790, your station for talk and business. Welcome back to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. I'm Bronwyn Dannenfeltzer. I am your host, and I am here with Barnaby Evans, the creator of Waterfire. And we were talking about fish to our friend Dave Dabrinsky over here who uh, organizes, well, he's a Waterfire volunteer, tried and drew, and uh, does a lot of things for Waterfire, but organizes our Clear Currents Initiative, um, which we just did on August 23rd, which uh, is a real love for many people. It's all those glowing fish on the river. And you know, Dave, um, I guess... You must. Can you tell us a little bit about who's in these kayaks and canoes? Or and what happens? You were just saying it's almost like Christmas, where you say you get the thing to turn the lights, and suddenly everyone's ooing and eyeing. Right. And then what do you do? Okay. You're, you're hiding under a railroad bridge. Yes, we're hiding under the railroad bridge, waiting for the the go signal. Uh, the the event actually starts in early afternoon. People who have signed up to participate, we do an online sign up uh, for the last couple of years. And it's waterfire.org forward slash clear currents, and people can look it up. Exactly. And so that, and, and, and we, we have, we know in advance, about five days in advance, how many people we're going to have, both canoers and kayaks. Um, and between myself and other volunteers and the production staff, we basically stage all the fish, the fish mounts, the straps, the bungee cords, everything that we need, the batteries, everything we need to light the fish up and get them mounted on the on the boats. And so we spend a couple of hours that afternoon. People check in their boats. They drop them off, and then we have them paddle the half mile up the stream to stage underneath the uh, Providence Place Mall Bridge. 
And as soon as we get the go signal, we connect the batteries. We wait, we to wait, wait for sunset, and it starts to get true. dark, and then the crowds are gathering, many of them not knowing this is coming. We try to go up there in a stealth mode. With yeah. f- We don't have the fish lit at that point. Right. Um, and uh, you're exactly How right. How can you go stealthily up a river with a six-foot fish in a canoe? Well, because, because it's <laughs> early. Because you it's folks early. have all these other onshore activities going on, whether it be the Brazilian dancers or exactly. bands playing. So the, everybody's kind of looking onshore, and we're kind of... Sending them up in drips and drabbles. Um, so we, yeah, we wait for the the lighting. The, the, the guest lighters light the the braziers, and once everything's up and glowing and the music is going, we get our signal and we and mass release the fish, if you will, as we start paddling into the basin area by the Providence Place Mall, and we put on a little choreographed performance where half the fish will be inside the circular braziers paddling in a counterclockwise position, and the other half will be outside the braziers paddling in the opposite direction. So you have basically two concentric circles with fish illuminating. Some of them are 40 inches, some are 60 inches um, at different heights mounted. Different colors. Different colors, um, and at a predetermined time, I give the signal, and Everybody has been pre-assigned earlier in the day. They have a schedule in their canoe or kayak with them. I've assigned them to different sections of the river. I've divided the river up in different sections. I've divided the fish into different schools. And they're assigned to paddle for a certain period of time in each section of the river. Think of it as a volleyball game that after a certain amount of time, you then shift to your next section. And so like when you're serving a volleyball, everybody rotates. And so that way, all the volunteers who are paddling get to paddle every part of the river at least once throughout the night. And usually it's twice throughout out the night. So, um, and, so they, and so there's very little that I have to do other than the safety warnings and the be- beforehand. All the, all the preparation, like a lot of things at Water Fire, the preparation is the key to getting it to run smoothly. It is a little organized chaos, but the challenging part is, is we had those 80 or 90 boats to the water with already our wood boats, our guest boats, our pontoon boats, all the, the other gondolas. The gondolas. All sorts of things. So I, I think this year I counted, we had somewhere in about 130 or 135 boats on the water d- throughout the entire night. And I have warned the kayakers and the canoeists that they are the low fish on the totem pole, so to mm-hmm. speak, because we're the smallest well, you're the, the most mo- maneuverable. You're the most agile. Most so maneuver, you're, you're most the agile. Minnow darts. That exactly. Can, yes. And so we have to be like fish and uh, pretend like that uh, we're avoiding the bigger fish. Yeah. Which is what little fish do. I mean, exactly. the, we should just they should think of the big, yeah, the wood boats as having big jaws that are chasing after them. Mm-hmm. The biggest ones are the gondolas. Yeah. They look prettiest, but they're they don't turn very fast and they can't stop. So we but, have to be out of their way. But it is an ecology of. Of fish there. There's big fish and little fish and fast fish and slow fish, and they all go into the river. And it has such an organic but sort of um, regulated chaos of the stream. It's it's a very soothing thing to watch. So I was uh, overlooking the uh, basin with uh, the school, the superintendent of the schools for Rhode Island, Deborah Gist, and uh, she was just absolutely mesmerized by the sight of them. The One of the deans of the School of Architecture of Yale was there. there were, we had quite a few special guests. And there's just this sense of just awe and quiet appreciation mm-hmm. of what happens. You yeah. know, and I, I have to say, we, we do it because we wanted to bring awareness to our river systems again and, you know, and talk about clean water initiatives. Um, but one of the neat things about it is it's not only beautiful, not only are we trying to do something good and, and send out a message, but Dave, can you tell us about some of the people that you've met uh, along the way that are um, are some special experiences? Yeah, it, it's it's that's interesting because when people ask me what what does this do um, for water fire, one I think it does build a sense of community at large 
uh, the entire event, but within the paddlers, if you will, um, the people who are assigned at different schools kind of make friends throughout the night. But it's also, it, I received an email from a woman uh, who participated in this year's, uh, a couple of days after the event was over, and it was kind of humbling. Um, it was something that was unexpected, but I really, it kind of made me stop and pause and realize that what we're doing is on a much bigger level, a more significant level. And the woman explained to me that she and her husband had planned on paddling this. They had signed up, they were going to have a canoe, and they were going to come up for the night. And as they were from Connecticut, they were from Connecticut. Yeah. yeah. As they were talking about it, their granddaughter heard about this. Now they're from Newtown, Connecticut. um, The husband and wife, and the and the granddaughter says, "I would really like to do that," which surprised the woman because her granddaughter um, was at the Sandy Hook Elementary School in December of 2012 when that unfortunate tragedy took place. And she said that her granddaughter had lost an awful lot of confidence. A lot of self-esteem. She was very anxious. She was very nervous upset. in large crowds. And, yeah, yeah, she was. It, it had obviously affected her in a very negative way. She stopped doing a lot of the things that she enjoyed, which included kayaking. I guess she used to kayak with her grandparents and her parents. And so when this woman heard that her granddaughter wanted to join, she was pleasantly surprised. So they brought her granddaughter up, and she sat in the center of the canoe. And I remember this woman, I didn't know this story before they showed up, but I did remember asking this woman via email about who was coming. And I saw them when they checked in. I helped mount the fish in their canoe. And I remember getting down and talking to this young girl and say, well, your job is to make the fish wiggle like it's a And the grandfather said, see, I told you you had an important job here. So I didn't think much of it other than a young kid with the grandparents. And then a couple of days after the event, I get this email when this woman told me that her daughter didn't want to do anything, but yet this event, by participating at Clear Occurrence on the 23rd, did a, a tremendous thing for her daughter. It was a very healing experience, she said, for her granddaughter, and that she said this was unexpected. She was very appreciative of the opportunity that, that sure. they didn't know how her daughter, her granddaughter was going to kind of get back to life yeah. as normal, and she felt that this was a very tremendous, unique opportunity, um, and she said they would do this again and again and again. It was the yeah. most... She said it was the most pleasant experience of their life, yeah. Um, yeah. and it was, and that 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 kind of put it into perspective for me because all the long hours and the chaos that we talk about it made it all seem yeah. insignificant. I think you were down there at seven thirty in the morning clearing the rocks out of the canoe channel so that we yeah, could and the, launch the boats. And, yeah, yeah and keeping the launch. But that is what it is about, to bring it right back to that story. It's touching people's lives in a special way and making realize that there's peace and beauty and harmony, and we can work together to make something truly wonderful happen. Community and peace, that's what we were trying to create. And uh, that was a living example for us. It was uh, very, very rewarding for us as, as volunteers and staff to hear something like that. Well, and thank you for actually facilitating it and helping us to put that together. And as you said, that's why we do it, right? For exactly. stories like that. Exactly. Um, I know that we'll be at some point doing Claire Currents again next year. So um, keep checking the Waterfire website. And at one point, we'll have something up there and we can get some more information out to you. Thank you so much. You're listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. I'm Bronwyn Dannenfelter, and we're here on AM790, your station for talk and business. Dave Dabrinsky, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for having me, and I appreciate it.
welcome back. You're listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. I'm Bronwyn Dannenfelser, your host, and I am here with Barnaby Evans, the creator of Waterfire. We were just talking about fish and about water, but Barnaby, we got a really big event coming up, and I think it's time we talk about wine, too, don't you think? Absolutely. So I just want to start by saying we've got an incredible guest here with us today, and it's Eric Taylor from Bottles, which is this insane wine and craft beer and, well, you name it, store, essentially. I'm going to have you describe Bottles, um, Eric, to, to our listeners, but it's on the east side, and welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me very much. Um, Bottles is on the east side of Providence on Pittman Street next to East Side Marketplace in the same plaza. Um, we specialize in wine, but have a very well-curated selection of craft beers and spirits and cordials and bitters and mixers and, and, and all of that. But our, our real heart and soul is the wine department uh, of, the, uh, of the store, and uh, we're really, really happy to be sponsors of Waterfire and, uh, and to be uh, a part of your community and a part of the community in Providence uh, you know, in, uh, at large in general. Well, you, you've been really incredible to us, and I, I think, Barnaby, this is a perfect time. I know that you are going to be what you're always at the Brazier Society yeah. um, and doing wine tastings, but uh, last year you started the partnership with us by doing all the wine and donating all the wine, incredible wines, I might say, for our uh, yearly our annual fundraiser, which used to happen at Ruth's Chris. A lot of people knew it as the Ruth's Chris annual fundraiser. Um, and for those who haven't heard, uh, we're going to miss our friends at Ruth's Chris. They're, uh, they'll be shutting their doors on September 14th. But that does not mean our fundraiser is not going on. Absolutely so, not. What we've done is a, a very big thank you to the Mara Restaurant Group and uh, to Mike Mara. We will be uh, actually just moving right a little bit along the river there. And the fundraiser will happen on September 23rd at Water Place Restaurant right there on the water. We're going to have a fire, incredible food. Incredible wines by bottles, mm-hmm. um, which we'll talk a little bit more about that in a sec. And it's about uh, 82 degrees to the north. You can just 82 <laughs> degrees to just, the north? Just, just, <laughs> yeah, right there. We're on the So um, I just want to put that out there that, uh, yeah, that if anyone would like some information about our fundraiser, that is uh, going to be on our webpage. But let's get back to wine. Sure. All yeah. right. So, so we're going from water fire to fire water is what we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to go. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, but so before we go into wine itself, I just want to say that bottle, people should go to bottles because I am always impressed with the friendly, articulate cordiality of the staff because I think people get overly nervous about the world of wine and its complexities, and it is complex. It's got centuries of history. But having a knowledgeable wine staff that can guide people through that is invaluable. Well, thank you. And, and, and you guys do a great job with that. I, I'm really glad you pick up on it. I yeah. mean, um, you know, I, I I think what separates bottles from a lot of other um, wine and, and, and liquor stores is, is, the, is the, the staff there, you know. And um, I hire mostly from people from the hospitality industry, people mostly that worked at restaurants, and they have a lot of experience speaking with um, speaking with customers and speaking with people, you know, about wine, people that might be intimidated by it or not know a lot about it, you know, and talking to people like real human beings about wine. It, it is a, very intimidating for a lot of people. There's an 
enormous amount to know uh, about wine. Um, you know, but we try to boil it down and, and to, to speak very, um, you know, uh, simply without talking down to people and just making people feel very welcome and comfortable and trying to find the best bottle for them, you know, for their occasion, exactly. whether it's a, a Tuesday night in front of the tube or, you know, a 50th wedding anniversary, you know, anything from the everyday to, to, to something very grand and special. And the key for people who maybe haven't approached wine before is it's really about something you enjoy. Yeah. It doesn't need to, you know, you can approach it at any level and the staff at Bottles are willing to step into, the, you know, there's great debates about, you know, the different groves of Bordeaux and all this sort of stuff, but you can enjoy wine from 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 Long Island to from Rhode Island. Sure. And there's some great wines to learn out there, and I, I think everyone needs to take it as a, as a source of pleasure and a source of joy. And yeah. you guys bring that to the table. Which well, is thank great. you. Good. So I have to ask you, because it, it is the big looming question when you walk into a wine store or... Um, how? What's the average bottle of a really good wine going to cost me? Well, you know, it, I, I think it depends on what you call a really good bottle of wine. You know, I find I get a ton of joy out of wine under that $15 point, you know. Um, you know, uh, something that's delicious, well-crafted, um, that you, you really don't have to think about or examine. You know, we have an enormous selection of wine under $15, and I think that's where uh, where we really specialize and really shine, you know. We taste, uh, as a staff, we taste thousands and thousands and thousands of bottles of wine a year, and most of our time our answer is no, this isn't going to work. It's, you know, it's not for us, or it's just not well-made wine. Well, you know, One of those tough jobs that somebody it, has to do, Somebody right? does have to do it, and, mm-hmm. we, and we really enjoy it. So what we're looking to do is, to, is to, to kiss a lot of frogs to find those prince or princesses, you know, of the wine world, you know, where we're finding things that offer an enormous amount of value, um, you know. So, and, and I found that most people, no matter what their, you know, disposable income level is or their wine appreciation or their knowledge is, most people want those sorts of wines, you know, on a, on a day-in and day-out basis. And um, we have lots of really special, you know, iconic brands and from iconic appellations and, um, you know, really expensive wines. But uh, And so when you're ready for those things, there are available. But uh, I, I think what, what really excites me and, and uh, is, is finding those tremendous values um, from all around the world, you know, even here in Rhode Island. Do you have do you have not a few even. that are your favorite? Not, wait, wait, not even here in Rhode Island, especially here in Rhode Island. <laughs> well, especially here in Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah, so I had to say, all right, Eric, could you give me two cabs that are in that fifteen dollar range? What would you point me to? There's a there's a brand out of Chile called Vumine. Um, and they make some absolutely stunning wines, and, in, and especially Cabernets. Uh, there's there's one on our shelves right now for right around the $10 mark that is just extraordinarily well-made, very rich, full-flavored. Um, you know, it has everything that you want out of a of a out of a big bold wine. Um, you know, without the without the crazy high price tag. Yeah, the uh, Chilean wines really were huge. They got it was like what maybe five or six years ago. They really just started. Popping out. Absolutely, I, you know, I think the the importing channels opened up and um, people started realizing wines not only from Chile but also from Argentina uh, for the values that they are, you know, um, and that they're uh, the the South American wines are able to bring wines to to the United States at uh, at, at very very good prices and uh, and our customers have really picked up on it and that. That that category uh, has has exploded in the last several years, including um, you know, and another category just to 
kind of segue into it, I want to talk about uh, rosé wines. We're in the waning days of rosé season, um, although today doesn't feel like it. It's so beautiful outside. Um, but rosés have really exploded, um, and we're selling more and more, and, and people are coming in and asking for, um, the, you know, blush wines, or, you know, and, and, and I think people are embracing rosés because they're, they're finding that they're, the, uh, they're very dry, food-friendly wines for, for not a lot of money, and uh, I think in the past maybe they were confused with white Zinfandel or being sweet exactly. or being, um, you know, not being the, the beautiful, dry, complex uh, stunners that, that, that they are. Um, so, uh, you know, both both Cabernets and Rosés, great, great uh, values for, for everybody. So a Rosé, it's a red grape, white grape, what is it, it in blend? Very quickly, Rosés are made from red grapes. So when you squeeze any grape, whether it's a white grape okay. or red grape, uh, the juice is going to run clear. And the reason why red wine is red, because you soak the skins in the clear juice and the, and the skins kind of act as a tea bag, you know, and it releases their color, a little bit of flavor. Rosés are made in that same way, except they pull the skins off very quickly within hours to a day so that the wines have this beautiful pink color a little bit of that raspberry strawberry flavor um and but still retaining a lot of fresh light uh flavors too so they're right in between a red and a white wine they're amazing do you have a favorite brand or two uh yeah uh uh there's a there's a french wine from uh the the rhone region the southwest region uh the southeast region rather of france called ferriton um, and then there's another rosé from California called Bedrock um, that uh, just makes a very, very beautiful rosé. The Flintstones are from Bedrock. Kind of. <laughs> You're there. <laughs> Not far away. Well, I know that we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back, and you're going to teach us more about wine. I'd love to. All right. You're listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island, and we'll be right back. Hello and welcome back, and you're listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island, and I'm Bronwyn Dannenfelter, your host, and I'm here with Barnaby Evans and Eric Taylor from Bottles, and I'm learning all sorts of neat and interesting things. Like, one, my question to you during the break, Eric, was Prosecco or Champagne? Which is better? Well, you know, trying to pick between the two is, you know, trying to pick a favorite, uh, a favorite color, you know. And um, people have their own tastes and styles. And, and stylistically, just to break them down is, you know, Proseccos can be very light and bright and have crisp green apple flavors. You know, a very, very lively bubbles or, you know, um, and, and, uh, and uh, you know, an explosion of flavor in your mouth. You know, champagnes, um, richer, fuller bodied, more viscous, um, you know, deeper, uh, deeper flavors you know they have a uh, kind of a biscuity or they we call it in the in the wine business or a, like a kind of like a yeasty flavor to them that just um, melds seamlessly in with these beautiful rich fruit flavors um, the bubbles are a little bit finer um, you know but champagne is more expensive, you know, and, and, and maybe not for the everyday like uh, Prosecco is. So, you know, I think it's like so much of wine and, and, and so much things in life in general. It just depends on set and setting. What are you doing? You know, what's going on? And, and one question that I ask my customers a lot is, you know, what's the occasion? You know, what, yeah. what, what are you doing? You know, and enjoy it, the variety. And, yeah. I mean, you don't need, have both. Have you both, know, sure. Compare them, you do know. a tasting. Um, or Vino Verde. I mean, there are all sorts of... There are all what sorts is a Vino Verde? 
Vino Verde is a Portuguese, Portuguese. Uh, so very lightly sparkling wine. It's just barely frizzante. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and, and very refreshing. Very refreshing. Meant to be eaten with, you know, simple simple food, simple clean foods. You know, they're extremely inexpensive. Um, and uh, Again, another tremendous value. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I think they're their best when it's really hot outside, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and they're... A, Big refresher, lower in alcohol, and uh, so that you can have you know an extra glass without uh, you know without falling over without falling <laughs> over you know and taking things a little bit too far. Um, well, you know, I think that this is a great place to um, or time to mention. Doesn't bottles have so? I would love to learn more about wine. Sure. Do you have wine tastings it's, uh, weekly? We do. We have uh, standing weekly wine tastings on... Uh, o- open to everybody, Open right? to everybody. You don't everybody. need to reserve. You just Free, stop in, in yeah. um, come and go. Um, every Saturday from uh, 4 to 7 um, in the afternoon. And uh, we try to make our tastings you know, very engaging. And, 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 uh, and so much of what we do at Bottles is, is education. And that you know, when we have our tastings, oftentimes we'll do uh, what we'll call a blind tasting, where all the bottles will be wrapped up in a paper bag, and we'll be exploring the differences between uh, the new world versus the old world. So wines made, say, in California versus wines made in France. And uh, they're both red. You, know, you don't know which is which. You know, and we invite our customers to kind of discern the difference between the two. You know, can you tell the difference? And no, you can't. Well, here's some things that you should look out for. You know, uh, Californias have big, ripe, fruity flavors. French wines have uh, flavors that are a little bit more organic or more earthy flavors, yeah, you know, earthy, and, yeah. and, and can you see the difference? And most people are like, yeah, when you're in front, you know, when you're standing in front of somebody and they're really paying attention and you're giving them kind of the words to, 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 to describe their sensory experiences, it clicks for a lot of people. So uh, I think our, ta- our Saturday tastings uh, are really important and um, gives us an opportunity to showcase some wines that, uh, that might not get any attention otherwise. Wise, uh, too. Um, in addition, we have spirit tastings on uh, Thursday afternoons, and then uh, beer uh, tasting events on Friday afternoons uh, also. So, so we don't have to go down to the bar. We just need to go to bottles like yeah. on Thursday and Friday and Saturday during the hours. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's funny that you mentioned. I mean, it, it, it has served for a meetup place for a lot of people. You know, like after work, hey, yeah. let's meet at bottles, and you know, we can we can uh, uh, get to try some really new things and. And then, then we'll go out to dinner from there. You know, yeah. it's People love to learn, and it's a great environment to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And Brahman and I will be there this Saturday, right? I'll be there. Yep. You can count me in. All right. All right. So um, I'm a Chardonnay drinker. Yeah. Okay. And so what can you tell me is a good oaky Chardonnay? Well, you know, if... It's a great question because Chardonnays are, um, they're planted all over the world. You know, it's one of the most prolific grapes um, and it can, uh, it, it, it likes to grow in a wide variety of climates and soils and areas. Um, and then, but, but because of that, Chardonnays are uh, stylistically all over the map. There are the big oaky buttery Chardonnays that you talked about and um, there are very crisp, clean Chardonnays that don't have any oak and, um, you know, from, from maybe France or um, other uh, other areas within 
Europe. Um, but if you're looking for a big oaky Chardonnay, I would recommend something from you know the New World. So something from the United States or Australia um, or South America, Argentina or Chile, like we were talking about before. Um, you know, it's kind of difficult to to be able to look at a bottle and decide you know what's inside this bottle and what's it going to taste like. But one of the things that we do at the store um, is that we write tasting notes for each bottle that is in the store, and it takes nice. an enormous amount of time and, and, and effort to to comb through all the information that that may or may not be about a, a wine and be able to put it together. Um, you know, and and also tasting that wine too, and looking back at our tasting notes and and making little tags that live right below each bottle of wine that's on our shelves, telling you exactly what to expect flavor-wise. You know, is this going to be oaky or buttery? It'll say right there on the you know, or is it a crisp, clean style? You know, and then in addition, there's also pairing notes, uh, food pairing notes on the on all of those tags. Well, so much of what we do in the store when, when, when it comes to wine is having the conversation about food, you know, and and wine and food, you know, for us are inseparable. You know, we're, we're next to a, a grocery store, you know, and uh, on the east side. And so people are, are walking in with bags of food or going to be heading over there afterwards. And we're pairing wines together, you know, with what we're going to what they're going to be eating. And yeah. So, Eric, can you for our uh, again, so for our listening audience um, is what's the website for bottles? Uh, bottlesfinewine.com mm-hmm. is our website. Um, and we're at 141 Pittman Street uh, on the east side of Providence um, in the same plaza where Eastside Market is. So you can stop in, get a bottle of wine, yeah. then do your shopping, and then go home and have fun. That's right. <laughs> All right. And, uh, <laughs> and Eric, one of the things you do have is you have one of the most amazing collections of cordials and bitters and unusual bartending ingredients and and bar tools as well you know we're um, there's a huge mixology um, you know home mixology movement happening right now where I really think it's an extension of you know all the food programs that are on the television set and people are taking cocktails uh, and I think that to the next level you know they're they're, they 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 can cook but now they want to make cocktails and I think people are paying the same sort of attention to what's in their glass as to what's on their plate Um, and and so we have all of those um, you know all of those hard-to-find bitters and mixers and cordials and spirits that um, that you read about or that your favorite bar may have. Um, and, you know, I think one of the greatest compliments um, is that bartenders shop at our store for their own bars, you know, either at home or uh, at, at their places of business um, because we have it all. Uh, yeah. Well, I know that my, my stepdaughter, Willa Van Nostrand, is a mixologist, mm-hmm. and she, she shops with you. An award-winning mixologist. An award-winning, and she actually will be at our fundraiser on September 23rd as well, Barnaby. And information is at waterfire.org forward slash elemental. That's at September 23rd at Waterplace Restaurant. We'd love to have people join us. We would love that. We need your help. Um, Waterfire cannot happen without your support. So thank you for uh, listening today. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. We love bottles and thanks for everything that you do in the community in general. The pleasure is ours. Thank you. Thank you. See you down by the river. <laughs> 